Welcome into another day here of Bet the Edge powered by PointsBet. With Drew Dinsick, I'm your host, Sarah Perlman. As always, huge thank you to those of you joining us on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Coming up today, Racer Parker Kligerman will join us to explain which favorites and long shots he'd consider backing at the second to last NASCAR playoff race in Martinsville this weekend. Corey Parson is also back with us this week. We're going to find out now if he's staying away from double-digit spreads in the NFL Sunday and also discuss where he's placing action in the NBA for tonight. And as always, we have our Edge of the Day to wrap up the show, plus so much more coming up right here and right now on Bet the Edge. Drew, good morning. We have Thursday night football, and I would say it's a better Thursday night football match, regardless of the injuries across the board. So I am excited to begin here and kind of break down our best bets and our overall views of this game. I'll begin with you and your overall thoughts. Green Bay, Arizona, no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard, both on the COVID list. Those are out. The Lions now the Cardinals at home favored by six and a half. The total is sitting at 50. Some money has come in on the under I've seen, and that's the one big area that I'd probably rely on the most. But I leave it to you to begin us off. Overall, your handicap and what you're looking at in order to get involved in this game. Yeah, it's been interesting market movement to follow all week. And if you really want to kind of break down the situation, this is sort of a, a high leverage game for the Cardinals and really nothing to lose for the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are expected to go out to the desert and take the L because of the COVID situation. So to a degree, they may play a little bit more loose. Uh, in fact, uh, Aaron Rodgers can do uh, a number to kind of bolster his legacy if, uh, you know, if he gets it done against uh, the undefeated Cardinals with the Larrys and Joes that are going to be out there in the receiving core. Because as you mentioned, Devontae Adams is out for this game and he matters an enormous amount. Not as much as a quarterback, obviously, not as much as a cluster injury, obviously, but uh, this is sort of a, a, as our friend Jay pointed out yesterday, this is a cluster absence. Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard are wide receiver one and two. Uh, wide receiver one with the bullet for uh, for Green Bay. And, you know, this is going to be tough for them to, you know, to get it done with the ground attack and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combined with Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to get out of Tanyan in the tight end. Uh, decent matchup for Tanya against an uh, Arizona team that gives up a little bit of a yardage to uh, the tight end position. But the wide receivers really, which is, you know, that's where Aaron Rodgers has made his bread for the basically mm -hmm. the balance of his career. He's going to have to get it done with the second, third unit guys. And that's going to be tough because uh, the Arizona Cardinals are playing relatively solid defense this year. They're getting outstanding pass rush out of Chandler Jones. He will be back. Uh, that should alleviate some of the issues of J.J. Watt's absence. As you noted, J.J. Watt will miss the remainder of the season with shoulder surgery so uh, Arizona's defense is going to be tested but they're getting solid play out of their young linebacking core uh, and overall uh, just has been a, a pretty outstanding story so far this season Arizona four and six interestingly enough four and six against the spread as a home favorite uh, so they have not really answered the call in this spot in the Kyler Murray era uh, mm -hmm. I don't know that there's really a signal there but uh, surely this is um this is going to be a tough test for them. And I would say, if anything, the pressure is on Arizona. I'd completely agree with that, only because, as you just said, uh, they're expected to win. They've obviously been – they're undefeated. They've been really successful so far this season, now going up against a very banged-up Green Bay Packers team. Uh, Devontae Adams – 
as Jay Croucher said, and you also alluded to, Drew, probably the most valuable wide receiver to NFL spreads across the league, of course. And he gets 33% of targets so far this season, which is wild from Aaron Rodgers. So this is going to be a huge absence with Alan Lazard. I liked a lot of the props. I talked about Chase Edmonds going over his rushing yards on the other side yesterday. I do lean under in this game. Um, I know there's also been some injuries and kind of DeAndre Hopkins yet to practice so far this week. He's sh- it's always kind of likely to go at last minute, so wouldn't be surprised to see him out there today. But certainly some injuries we've seen over the season for the secondary for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, my best bets would be Chase Edmonds going over his prop. I do like the under, and I kind of lean the points with the Green Bay Packers. It's a lot of points. People are kind of giving up on this Packers team that we've seen being able to stay in games, regardless of their questionable secondary. I'd probably take the six and a half, haven't played it, but the under in the prop market is where I find the most value. Do you have any plays that you are going to place or that you lean to before we move on here? I am waiting patiently to see if we can get a Packers plus seven. In general, when it comes to NFL day of line movements, if it's Sunday and the line is moving and that steam is there, that means that somebody is putting an ungodly amount of money on that team and to stay away because they are respected and they know something that you don't know when it comes to Thursday standalone stuff or Monday stuff. That's not always the case. Sometimes because this is a standalone game, volume will drive the market to a degree. And I would say that, uh, you know, there is a chance people crack open their, uh, you know, their ESPN this morning and or their NBC sports, their edge, uh, you know, uh, news, news alerts. And they're like, oh, Devonte Adams is out. I'm going to go bet the, the you know, Arizona Cardinals tonight. Not, nice. re- rep- not really understanding that the market has entirely priced that in. Uh, and if there is sort of a volume push here that pushes this Cardinals number out to seven, that is going to be a buy signal for a lot of the sharper players in the community to get involved with the Packers. Uh, so that is where I am sitting, patiently waiting for a seven. Hopefully we see it. If it appears before game time, I will be rooting for the Packers tonight. Wouldn't be as surprised if it does get to seven for Thursday night football tonight. So we'll hope for the seven, you get involved. I'm with the six and a half for what it is worth. The green Bay Packers six and oh, without Devonte Adams over the last two seasons, but now wow. they're also without Lazard, which is wild, but they've been able to get things done. So uh, real quickly thoughts on Murray over two and a half um, passing touchdowns plus plus one fifty. Because I think they're going to rely on the run game, slow the cock down, and always keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. I probably wouldn't play that. I'm obviously liking Chase Edmonds, even a little James Conner tonight. So it's a stay away from me, but Drew, your thoughts? Yeah, no, almost certainly that is uh, not a fair price. I think uh, realistically, the red zone packages for the Cardinals are going to be run heavy. I would, in, in fact, I would almost look more at like, Murray rushing touchdowns over one and a half or something like or over or just he does or just over a half basically Mm -hmm. he scores a rushing touchdown I think realistically uh getting his speed to the outside is going to be pretty key when they're in the red zone um you know as you mentioned there's been a number of injuries to this Green Bay Packers defense over the balance of the season no Zadarius Smith no Preston Smith no Jair Alexander those are the three best defensive players for the Green Bay Packers there's no no beating around the bush here uh the interior still has a good solid run defense with uh kenny clark but if you can get your uh running back or get your quarterback out of the pocket uh you know to the edge i think they can find some space and and gain some yardage on the ground so i think realistically this is going to be a rushing attack in the red zone sort of a game for the cardinals i would not be expecting murray to uh to get it done through the air and you know i don't think there's going to be many chunk plays you know the, the explosive plays the big you know breakaway touchdowns is really what you need to get three touchdowns through the mm-hmm. air for murray in this game so uh realistically this is probably going to be a, a little bit more muted overall 
Kyler Murray, and probably the reason this line is so short at plus 150, normally you're looking at plus 200, plus 220. Um, he's 4-3 and three to the over 2.5 passing touchdowns this season, so obviously history would say maybe a little bit of an edge taking the over, but because of the way Drew and I think this game script will play out, it's a stay away for me. Maybe look at an anytime Kyler Murray touchdown. That's where your girl tends to uh, love to go in same-game parlays, maybe just a sprinkle <laughs> here. Anytime touchdowns, but seriously, I love anytime touchdown bets. That's a fact about me. I would go with Kyler. Kyler Murray in that space as well. Yeah. We appreciate you guys listening to Bet the Edge and also commenting along. We love that. Wherever you're listening, make sure to rate the podcast. Of course, sign up. We're giving you actionable information every single weekday, just about 30 minutes or less. Lines move so quickly, and we do want to make sure you're gaining an edge with us. And of course, you can reach out to us on Twitter as well. You can give us some tips. You can ask us some questions. We've gotten some great questions recently, and uh, it's been fun to in interact with you guys. Love that you're listening to the show. Love that you're engaged in the NBA betting because you know any given day I have more than just an edge of the day in play. Uh, ironically, today I only have the edge of the day in play. Um, but uh, in most days, you can reach out to me on Twitter at whale underscore Kaffer, and you can find Sarah at Sarah Perlman. I saw on Twitter that you and Vaughn had a secret chat going, and not only am I jealous, I need to get involved. So later, later, let's talk about that at the end of the show and see how we can all get involved in a secret right, chat we'll... of NBA plays. Okay, we'll think about that. <laughs> okay, well, I'm getting a consider to enter the secret NBA dark chat. We're going to move on to NASCAR, and we're super excited to bring in Parker Kligerman to help us break down the playoffs in Martinsville. It is worth noting, Parker, congratulations, an awesome top 20 finish last week on the NASCAR circuit, of course. I know you took a little bit of a break there, so well done coming back. That was super exciting, and, and we love having you on and your expertise helping us break down the NASCAR playoffs. And I really want to use your experience and also your analysis here to help us kind of get the Martinsville perfection and, and analysis here because when I look at some of the guys and Martin Truex Jr. is the favorite here what weighs into exactly this race not just who's probably going to come out on top but the pressure that's on the way they drive obviously the course how much goes into this and how does that kind of help you and help us handicap the NASCAR playoffs well first of all thanks for having me back and uh it was a great weekend at Kansas we sold over 50,000 hoodies uh fast wow. checkout was awesome so hopefully you guys Amazing. got one of those one dollar hoodies but uh, when I look yeah. at Martinsville, this is an old school short track. It's one of the oldest tracks we race in NASCAR. And this lends itself to drivers that are able to make speed on the long run. So that's why Martin Truex Jr., who's one of the best long run drivers we have in the sport, finds himself as the favorite going to Martinsville. He's also been very successful there. So I can see why he is the favorite. But I think when you look at what's going on in the playoffs, this becomes a little bit of a harder pick, right? Because you have a set of drivers who all can make it through on points. You have a driver like Joe Logano who effectively probably just has to win this race to find himself fighting for another championship at Phoenix. And then you have a guy like Kyle Larson who's going on to Phoenix. So there's a lot of different objectives. And then you add in outside the playoffs, you have drivers who have shown a lot of speed throughout this playoffs that are not fighting for a championship who would just love to get in victory lane. So that makes it very tough to pick this, but I think there's a couple that really stick out to me. And the one, I'm just going to shoot it out there, the one driver that I think is probably the best bet in all what I'm looking at here going to Martinville is the guy I said who probably has to win. That is Joey Logano in that 22 wow. car. He's plus 900. He is second ranked in speed on the 750 horsepower tracks, according to Motorsport Analytics. He's great at Martinsville. He won in 2018 there by moving Martin Truex Jr. out of the way in that crazy last lap pass. 
and uh, bump and run effectively. And I really think, you know, knowing his mentality, the mentality of that team and how fast they've been on these racetracks, I just think it's hard pressed to bet against him at plus 900 and not take that opportunity to think he's going to get a chance to go fight for another championship. Ooh, that's a great look. Um, Joey Logano, of course, was uh, sixth uh, in Martinsville back in April at the uh, Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500. So, yes, he has some good results already out this year on this track. And uh, as you mentioned, um, the race for the final playoff here is exceptionally tight from the fourth to seventh position. But Logano really can only get in if he wins, based on how I understand the points. Um, but that fourth through seventh is wildly close. 4,074 points for Kyle Busch in fourth. 4,068 for Brad Kieslowski in seventh. If Logano does not get the win, if, let's say, the you know one of the top three guys, like, you know, finishes first or, you know, potentially even uh, Truex. I guess Truex, if he wins at sixth, he is the for sure the, the fourth uh, guy in the mix here. Um, but uh, does the race change, you know, if... It is hanging in the balance, uh, you know, late in the race. And these guys realize like, okay, I'm in position to, if I just hold or I need to make up ground, like, is there going to be in-game strategy amongst these four guys who are separated by such a thin margin? I think that's one of the things we ask all the time in NASCAR is how do you, you know, race for points while racing within a race, right? And it's a yeah. really tough mental place to be. And so many teams have different ways that they like to tackle it. Some drivers and teams will tell you, I'm just going to race as if it's any other race. I don't even know there's points out there. And I've, you know, a lot of times they'll say, yeah, you know, the thing is, I know if the points are going well or not. Then there's drivers and teams that are like, hey, look, we're going to be evaluating this throughout the race. Come stage one, we're going to update the driver on what the point situation is. Come stage two, if anything happens, we're going to update them. They really want to be like updated every minute to what's happening points wise. So when I look at that set of drivers, though, one driver that sticks out to me in the betting realm is Ryan Blaney at plus 725. So I think he's interesting because he's finished second two of the last three times. He is able to make it in on points. I think he's one of those drivers that he could potentially tackle this thinking about the points, but find himself in position to win late. And he has shown some great long run speed. He's shown speed on the flat tracks this year, like at New Hampshire. I think Ryan Blaney also has a lot of motivation to find himself fighting for his first championship in first time making it the championship four. So I think he could be a great driver amongst those that are sitting there in that points position to be able to go on and uh, fight for the victory and then obviously have a chance at fighting for a championship. Oh, that's fascinating because I was looking at last year's results to see if I could glean anything. Blaney was out of the mix and he got second in this race. So I yes. would be uh, fascinating to see if he can uh, sneak in and uh, steal the Xfinity 500 crown. So that will absolutely be in my queue. Anything uh, that we can look for as we uh, look down the board and there are some potentially some uh, some other guys in the mix in the long shot range? Yeah, so there's there's one in particular that really sticks out to me, and he has been he's tried to be the playoff spoiler since he got knocked out of the playoffs, and that is the number twenty four car of William Byron. He has been incredibly fast everywhere we go. We've seen the Hendrick Motorsports cars have been the class of the field all year. His teammate Kyle Larson has won nine races this season. Is going on to fight for his first championship. <laughs> I think when you look at a car that could play spoiler, it is William Byron at plus fifteen hundred. I mean, what a great bet. Here, if you're able to pull it off, and I just think of all the cars out there that are not fighting for a championship, and, and the reason this is sometimes an odd thing, and I think fans don't quite understand, is that those eight cars that are fighting for a championship, they get all the emphasis. They get all the focus from these organizations. So when you have a car that's performing the playoffs but isn't a part of that playoff for the championship, 
that means that team is really excelling. So I just think William Byron and that 24 team have a lot of motivation to go out there and play spoiler. And if there's any car out there that can do it, it's them. Oh, he could definitely do so. Just looking now, he's led for at least 50 laps in his last two races. He's going to put some people under pressure this weekend. That's going to be <laughs> exciting to see. All right, Parker, I'm going to put you on the spot here because as we know, there's going to be the final four coming up in Phoenix. Four racers will advance, and this is where your expertise is going to come into play. I'm looking at some of the favorites like Kyle Larson at plus 140. Maybe he's one of them to win the NASCAR championship. But final four, who do you like ultimately to head there in Phoenix? So I had to check my notes here because I, I couldn't even remember it off the top of my head after all. I just reeled all that stuff out. All right, so I've got <laughs> Kyle Larson, of course. He's making it through. I've got Chase Elliott. I've got okay. Denny Hamlin representing Toyota there, and I've got Joey Logano, my first pick we just talked about, going on to be your championship four, fighting for the championship at Phoenix. And I just think when I look at those four, that's the class of the field in the 2021 season. They deserve to be fighting for the championship. Can I ask yeah. real quick, among those four, any early leans in Phoenix? <sighs> Joey Logano. Wow. What a comeback that would be. He's currently in eighth good. place right now. I'm telling you, when you look at the speed charts, that those Pensy cars and the 750 horsepower tracks, his speed at Phoenix, if he makes it there, he's got a shot at this. This is the kind of insight we need because Joey Logano, 9-1 to one in Martinsville, and then if you really want to look to actually win the NASCAR Series championship, Joey Logano, 30-1. to one. So awesome stuff, Parker. We love having you on. You could follow Parker on Twitter at PeakLiggerman. Check out all of his work with us here, of course, at NBC, and obviously root for number 75 car on the NASCAR circuit. Parker, thank you so much, and again, congratulations on an awesome uh, return last weekend. Thanks, guys. Good luck with all your bets. It's one of the best months on the sports calendar, and we're making it even better by giving you a chance to win up to $205,000 this weekend by entering contest on the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. $95,000 is up for grabs at over four separate contests Saturday surrounding English Premier League, North Carolina versus Notre Dame, and Game 4 of the World Series. And you can also win $100,000 by entering Sunday night seven between the Cowboys and Vikings. Visit NBCSports.com slash predictor for more info on all of that. Wow, $205,000 up for grabs. I'm getting back involved in the predictor market. Now, a guy that's probably involved in the predictor market as well as a ton of other games and spreads is Corey Parson, and we welcome him back in to really help us break down the NFL for Week 8 and, of course, the NBA. And, Corey, last week you came on, took a lot of favorites, and I got to be honest, a lot of them came home. And I am curious now, and that's where I want to begin, if we're going back to that well, because we have a ton of double-digit favorites again in NFL Week 8, and there's one here with the Buffalo Bills playing the Miami Dolphins and the Bills under a key number of 14, but still laying that 13 and a half. And the Bills have owned the Miami Dolphins. I grew up in South Florida. This has been going on for quite some time. They own the Miami Dolphins. So no surprise there. There's a big spread. But I am curious about your read on this game and how you're handicapping. Such a large spread for week eight. Well, before we get into the spread, I do want to say, um, you know, good luck to everybody on the Predict the app this weekend. Sarah, if me and all you was to win, or we'd be getting an email that we're not eligible, so. <laughs> but I, I'm going to change my name, get back in there. <laughs> I know, right? Let's figure something out. All right, but, um, okay, let's get into this um, Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins. And, Sarah, you hit the nail on the head. It has been a, really a one-sided affair, so I'm going to be laying the points with the Buffalo Bills this week. I don't mind laying, um, you know, the big numbers so far. The season has worked out pretty well. I mentioned last week 
uh, home teams that are favored by 10 or more points, eight and three ATS on the year. So that's one thing going in your favor, not to mention the fact the last two times uh, Buffalo and Miami played, one was a 30-point victory by the Bills. The other one was a 35-point victory by the Bills. So, um, listen, this is probably Buffalo's, I mean, Miami's farewell to tour this upcoming weekend. So he'll go out with a loss to the Buffalo Bills. Interesting. There are a lot of people playing for jobs at this point in Miami. So I bet it's, it's a big number. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch that game play out because uh, I think preseason we were expecting about a seven, seven and a half point spread here. Even last week, 11 and a half. So uh, rough spot. Times have changed, Drew. Times have Times changed have over changed. the last few weeks. Yeah, Miami is now among the dregs of the league. Uh, a team that has pretty clearly distinguished themselves with some winning this season has been the Mac Jones-led New England Patriots. They are taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. The Patriots come into L.A. as a five-point dog. We have seen them take a bit of money in the market this week. After first opening five and a half and then tickling six, it has come hard back down to five. Obviously not a very meaningful number, uh, but do you think the dog has a chance in this one? Yeah, I like the Patriots in this contest right here uh, for a number of reasons. Let's start with the fact that road underdogs in this spot have been doing uh, fairly well this season. You look at road dogs at around this number, hitting at about 57%. But I think what's also key in this game is a couple things, Drew. And let's start and get your opinion on this one right here. Um, that's You talked earlier about that Sunday morning money. And I think when that Sunday morning money comes in, I think we're going to see this number move in the New England Patriots direction. So I think you want to hop on top of it right now and get the Patriots at this plus five. I think it's going to be moving in the opposite direction. And also, when you are looking to lay points with the Chargers, you have to take into consideration their kicking game. This dude is missing extra points. He's missing field goals. And they did bring somebody in this weekend to give him a tryout. Not sure if they're going to sign that, the, uh, whoever they brought in yet. But the Chargers kicking game really makes me worried about laying points with them. So I'm going to side the New England Patriots here, uh, catching that five right now. I would hop on on that one early. True. I know that you uh, were on a different side here. Not sure if you wanted to give your quick analysis. I know you'll break it down more on blitzing the board and we'll talk about it, but your overall feel on this game, regardless of the kicking game, people yeah. bet on both sides. And I'd like to hear your case as well. The kicking game has been a struggle for the chargers so far this season. I do believe that Dustin Hopkins will take the field. I think the Vizcaino experience is over for LA, but uh, realistically, I just have a lot of faith in Staley as a coach. I've bought into a lot of his concepts and, uh, I really liked a lot of what I heard from him during the uh, bye week where, uh, you know, what they were talking about from a self-scouting standpoint was really looking at addressing all of the key issues with this team. They're not at great at run fits. They give up way too many easy yards on the ground. If they don't get that fixed, they're in deep trouble against the Patriots team who lives by the run. And then similarly on offense, they're not being nearly aggressive enough on early downs. They're making way too much high leverage third down and fourth down situations. So they're making life hard on themselves. I think they get a couple of those things cleaned up this week. And I think we see a pretty solid performance from them. Also tough to ask a rookie to go on the road across the country uh, and go toe to toe with a team that I think is a pretty clear playoff team. So uh, should be a very, very good contest, but uh, for what it's worth, 
the market's with you. So market against me, Corey, to this point, you are one and oh with the market. So that's always positive. Okay. So the Chargers used to be a team when Anthony Lynn was the head coach that I backed a few times and learned quickly. I have to stay away. And I've now learned that that team for this season is the Carolina Panthers. I'm done. If you guys hear me talking about the Carolina Panthers, convince me otherwise. And that's where I want to get your opinion on because I'm not kidding, Corey, I'm staying away. And now they're playing the Falcons where the Falcons are laying three points. Carolina has now lost four straight games, obviously couldn't get the win nor covered last week. And Atlanta, for what it's worth, their offense is coming together. Defensive struggles for sure, but we've seen them certainly look more complete over the last two weeks. So are you riding with Atlanta and the favorite here at home, or do you like Carolina to somehow bounce back from their awful offensive performances as of late? It's really a tough week um, at the book when you're considering this game right here, but you're trying to find some edges every way you can. And I'll be honest with you. Listen, the bottom line, you've heard me on this program on several occasions talk about how the Atlanta Falcons are the biggest money burners in pro sports. Now, if you got all the way to week eight before I decided to hop out there, but I'm hopping out there with the Falcons this week and I'm laying a number mainly because they have been dominant versus the Carolina Panthers, five and one on the money line, five and one ATS in their last six games. Also, you look at the fact they've won nine of their last 11 meetings versus Carolina. Now, Atlanta as a home favorite is God awful. So maybe you go half a unit on this one, but I do think that they can at least push. <laughs> Trust me, I'm not thrilled about this wager. Not your most confident play of the week. <laughs> yes. We'll say it like that. Well, you have one good thing going for you, and that's Sam Darnold's on the other side of the ball. Yes. Me in New York, yes, Sam Darnold. Let's talk a little NBA. The NBA has been um, in action now for a little over a week. It has been entertaining. Last night we had, I don't know if, you know, I don't know who, if all of our listeners stayed up for it, but the Kings pulled off an incredible, another, the sixth buzzer beater in Kings in the last several years, leading the NBA to beat uh, the Western Conference champion Suns. It's exciting to see some of these young teams really come together and start to gel as we uh, head into this new season. And among those young teams that has gelled to this point has been the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls are a surprisingly positive story in the Eastern Conference. They take on the Knicks tonight in what will be a very high-profile contest. Awesome that, again, we have both Chicago and New York in the discussion among the good teams in the NBA. Uh, do you think this will be an entertaining show? No, I, I really do. I, I think a lot of people are looking forward to this. If you look at the first couple of weeks to the first 10 days or so of the season, I think that, you know, people pointed to this game as one of the games they really wanted to see. Obviously, if you are remember the 90s uh, era of, of basketball, the Chicago Bulls and the New York Knicks was one of the best rivalries in professional sports. And I almost feel like this game should be on NBC just to hear, you know, that the, the music and all the and the garden is rocking, you know what I'm saying? But this time we go to Chicago and listen, the Bulls four and zero to start the season. Nick Bakers three and one to start the season. This opened up with the Bulls as a two point favorite. I would not be surprised if it closed with the Knicks as a favorite. The Knicks are going to be heavily bet in this game. The Knicks are a real big group, obviously. I am laying off the spread in this one because, to be honest, if, for me to pick a, a make a pick against the spread, it would be biased. So I would say that I'm going to play the over in this contest. Saw that number open up at 216. Now, if it dropped to 214 immediately. That's because people think it's the 90s and it's the old school Bulls and Knicks. When you look at today's teams 
these are really very good offensive teams. The Knicks actually right now, the second highest scoring team in the NBA. They've shot and made the most three-pointers in the league this season. So I think the over is the right way to go. And right before I came on here, I noticed that number started to tick up. Some shops with the 215 and a half, and I see some people already laying, laying on some 216s. Mm-hmm. This will probably be the most heavily bet of the game of the NBA season thus far. Okay. Well, our edge projection tools and model has confidence on going over 215. So certainly your 215 look now sitting at 216 is sitting pretty here. For those of you who don't know, Corey Parson is a big Knicks fan. That's why his answer would not be warranted for the side, but the Chicago Bulls don't sleep on them. 4-0, we got that note. Best start as you guys were talking about the 90s since their 96-97 season. Corey, Really appreciate the time. If you don't or you're not following Corey on Twitter, do so at the Fantasy Exec. He has awesome content and plays on NBCSportsEdge.com. And also, Corey is filling in for me for a big part of next week as I'll be on vacation. So you're definitely going to want to watch the show all week. And you guys are going to have incredible NBA breakdowns between Drew and Corey. Corey, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. All good stuff. Enjoy. So I was actually curious when he was talking about that Knicks Bulls game, if that's where you were heading for your edge of the day, a marquee matchup, obviously on the hardwood. And I know you've been crushing the NBA so far this season, but the way you analyze that game, it doesn't seem like that's where you're going for your best bet. So no, it is funny though, talking about Knicks and Bulls and sort of the old day, this is long before your time, but uh, (laughs) back in the day, (laughs) the total certainly where it wasn't in the, I was was on the planet, but yeah, I wasn't at the Knicks (laughs) game in 97. This was uh, certainly not uh, a total in the 216 range. I'll tell you that much. I feel like those games, usually whoever got to 81. Uh, so anyway, right. it's, uh, it's it's quite a different NBA nowadays. But it is a, a very fun night of basketball. We have a six-game slate on a Thursday, which is if you're not used to watching the NBA, this is a treat. A bunch of these games are going to be highly entertaining. We really only have one that is sort of expected to be uh, you know, a marginal blowout with uh, the Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Detroit Pistons. By the way, I'm not convinced that's going to be a blowout. I think the Pistons probably worth taking the points there, but looking for some more information on him. Bonus play music. Bonus play, bonus music. play music. But uh, the game that really stands out for me as far as the edge of the day is the Atlanta Hawks against the Washington Wizards. Both of these teams are coming in having played last night. Uh, the Hawks had a very, very close matchup. Close shave against the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans you know, really put up a, a very valiant effort. Hawks were kind of going through the motions. Hawks really were, in my opinion, reintegrating a couple of key pieces. We saw Gallinari make his return. We saw DeAndre Hunter make his return. And it was obviously going to be a little bit of a growing pains as everybody kind of recalibrates their roles and responsibilities on that offense. But now that they've gotten a game under their belts, I think this Atlanta Hawks offense is going to be a much, much, much more smoothly operating machine on top of the fact that they're going up against the Washington Wizards, a team that offers relatively little resistance, particularly perimeter defense. And so I think the Hawks are going to have a nice showing here. Uh, Obviously, Trey Young is performing at an all-NBA level again. Uh, And uh, John Collins and Clint Capella are doing a masterful job of providing an interior defense uh, and a wing defense that is among the best in the NBA so far. It's mind-blowing to think about this Hawks team a couple years ago who were an auto-over and look at exactly how amazing their defense has been through their playoff 
run last year carried into this season. This is a strong defensive team. I think they can put the clamps on the Washington Wizards and really limit Bradley Beal and company, uh, particularly from three, keep them from getting to the rim. They're going to have to get it done in the mid-range, which is a tough way to get it done against the Hawks team that is going to have a a very uh, smooth offensive performance here. This one opened up minus one and a half last night, betted in the direction of the Hawks. I was hoping we could get everybody on one and a half here for the show, but it has been steamed out to three. Fair price here is Atlanta minus four and a half. If it gets any higher, I would go ahead and pass. But for now, at least I see a point and a half of value backing the road chalk. Yeah, I do think this is actually just heading in one direction because you talk about market agreement and yes, it's opened at one and a half. I know you play it late in the night, getting ready for the next day and slate, but 92% of the handle coming in on the Hawks right now. So I have a feeling uh, this is probably heading to four relatively soon and by tip off. So I like the three. I'm with you as I am with you on all of your NBA plays so far this week, but your girl doesn't handicap the NBA. That's no secret. I go to NFL and there's a play that this play in particular, I'll be giving out and more in depth and we'll go over all of the games on blitzing the board coming up at 3 p.m on our youtube channel with myself drew and warren sharp if you missed that of course peacock friday to sunday up until kickoff but i'm going to talk about this game fairly quickly because i do think this is going to get to 51 across the board and there's still a 50 and a half hanging and on points but i believe it's at 51 which is fine but before the hook comes along and by kickoff i do want to talk about this over for the titans and colts and that's where i'm going played it at 50 and a half I love this play. I just think there's a lot to break down here. But overall, the Indianapolis Colts, we talked about Carson Wentz and the possibility of struggling regardless. They've now put up 30 points in back-to-back games. And if you think about how red hot this Tennessee Titans team has been, and even more on defense, they've been better, which maybe would be a good come-to-earth moment against this Colts team, hence why I like the over. The Titans offense have really come alive also over the last few weeks, putting up uh, just an average 30 points per game over their last five weeks. I just like to think about Ryan Tannehill. He's been an over machine. If you've been following that since he joined the Titans, 25-7-1 over under record since going to Tennessee. So with so many different implications on the line in terms of their division, I think aggressive play calling will be had down the stretch. I like the over in the Titans-Colts game in Indianapolis. So that is one of my best plays I'll give out later, but also my edge of the day for today. So rooting for a lot of points in Indianapolis this weekend. I love that one. Good luck by you in the dome. So you don't have to worry about inclement weather as we get into the fall months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, realistically, yeah, two very competent quarterbacks, two very uh, solid skill position players, two of the best running backs in the NFL, uh, and two defenses that have an enormous amount of question marks swirling. So great look by you over 51. I bet you this closes in the 52 range. So you better get involved now. As I mentioned, join us for all our NFL plays on Blitzing the Board in just a little bit. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for all of our amazing analysis and analysts that do awesome work putting out plays every single day. Thanks for watching. And as always, we appreciate and love you guys joining us on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, best of luck with all your bets.